everyone, it's Chloe, and I'm so excited to share something fabulous with you, Vogue's first ever global fashion community, Vogue Club. Our members get to mingle with Vogue editors, yes, including me, and fellow fashion enthusiasts at exclusive events around the world. And that's just the start. Membership opens doors to the fashion industry, bringing you expert career advice and insider style and beauty tips. What are you waiting for? Head over to Vogue.com membership to join. And here's a little treat. Use code TRT20 and snag 20% off your membership. That's TRT20 for 20% off your ticket to Vogue Club. Are you in? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This podcast is supported by Macy's. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Shop by price, 25 and under to 100 and under, category like fragrances and handbags, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything or for grandma. Macy's has all the hottest gift ideas like Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung smart TVs, and more. Go to macy's.com slash gift finder to shop. That's macy's.com slash gift finder today. This is The Run-Through, and I'm Cho Minardi. And I'm Chloe Mel. And it's been another really hard week. Yes, it's true. Uh, our colleagues put up a great story on Book.com about ways to help those suffering in Israel and Gaza. And I recommend everyone look at that. Um, for our part, we are going to do our best to bring a little lightness um, into your world, and who better than to make you laugh than Fran Leibowitz? We have a conversation with her in just a little bit. But first, we have Vogue fashion news writer Jose Criales Unsueta with us, who is back from Shanghai? I know. Hello. No way. I'm when back. I saw you, because I, I, I got you out of office and I was like, you're in <laughs> you're like, Shanghai? Like, where's, How yeah, long is I, that flight? So it was um, either New York, Hong Kong. No, yeah, New York, Hong Kong, which is 14 hours and a half. Mm. And then Hong Kong to Shanghai, which is like two hours. Wow. that's And how long were you there? A lot of movies. Um, I went for a week. So I left. Yeah, I left Sunday morning and then came back Sunday night. Okay. Forgive my ignorance. Is Shanghai Fashion Week a big thing? Is it newish? Is it coming to its own? It's definitely younger than its other international counterparts. So Shanghai Fashion Week is around 20 years old, over 20 years old. It started in 2001. That's what's sort of very interesting about it. It's like younger in all shapes and forms. Its designers tend to be younger. Um... The way in which it works, all of the systems are younger. And it is starting to become more of a thing internationally, but it is a tentpole fashion week in um, China, which is the biggest consumer market in the world. So it is pretty much. And this particular season had a lot of attention um, because it was the first time that it was coming back in full force since the pandemic. So it was over 100 brands, 13 official showrooms, and... Stella McCartney actually did a reshow of her Paris collection, including the sustainability market that she put on. Really? Yeah. She closed a week. 
Um, Edison Chen has a brand called, who's an actor and very famous rapper in, from Hong Kong, has a brand called Clot. Uh, it was the 20th anniversary. So he also had a really big show and unveiled the collaboration with Adidas. He's kind of like, what he did is really interesting because he invited a lot of emerging designers to work with him. A lot of emerging Chinese designers to work mm. with him. A, a friend of mine was kind of like comparing him to like Pharrell in a sense. Oh, okay. Which is very interesting because he also like, you know, not unlike Pharrell, he had this huge pop culture superstardom before launching the brand. Right. And as he's launched a brand, he's sort of like both inform, like they inform each other now, which is very interesting. What's his aesthetic? How would you describe it? It It's funny because this, he this, he said that this show changed his aesthetic. So like it was sort of like an update. So it used to be very, very streetwear mm. driven. Um, and it was sort of like a very hypey brand. And this time around, he said that he wanted to sort of like grow up a little bit, mature it a little bit, shake it up. He hired Umberto Leon. We love Umberto. We really do love. What's interesting about Shanghai Fashion Week is that it is really grounded by emerging talent, right? Like the sort of buzziest, most exciting shows are emerging talent, like Mark Gong, C Plus Series, Udawag. Like a lot of these brands you couldn't couldn't find in Vogue Runway until now, actually, that I went and now we started Mm. reviewing them. Um, but they are buzzy enough where they like very popular on TikTok or on social media across like the world, not just China. Shushu Tong is a good example. Um, so a lot of these brands really anchor Fashion Week in like Shanghai Fashion Week, and then you have you sort of have like Claude who like came to Shanghai for the first time, or Stella McCartney, um, who really sort of like are the sprinkle on top, mm. which is sort of what's exciting as opposed to other international Fashion Weeks that are anchored by the Fendi's or the Coaches or the Tories or mm. you know. The Dior's. And what was your, if you had to name your standout show of the week, like what was yours? Uh, my standout show of the week was definitely Udewag. Um, it's this Sorry? brand. Udewag. Can you spell um, it? Yeah. O-U-D-E-W-A-A-G. Okay. Now on Vogue Runway. But love the brand. It's a very beautiful, he worked at um, Hussein Shalayan and Hyder Ackerman prior to establishing the mm. brand. It's his hand is definitely like sexier and perhaps a little bit trendier when it mm. comes to what we're seeing like um, in the West, but beautiful, beautiful brand, beautiful show, and actually, funnily enough, the day we published the review was the same day that Shalom Harlow's Vogue China cover came out, and she's wearing the brand. Um, so we love synchronicity. Ooh! <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was a very beautiful show. Um, you know, a lot of like very perfect tailoring and draping. Um, So it was beautiful. Honestly, there's a lot of really exciting talent. So what else are we excited about this week? Jose, can you tell us about the new Moschino designer? Yes, um, David Wren. He is... Another man, another man got a job. TLDR. TLDR. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know this acronym, but I'm quite yes. uh, into it. Really? Too long, don't yeah. read. Um, it's I'm just one saying of my the favorites. overline is yeah, another man. Exactly. But um, he is actually, this is what I find the most interesting. He worked at Gucci um, for years under Alexander McKellar, more, specific, more recently or more specifically. What I find fascinating is sort of that we are starting to see a new school of designers. I always love that Nicolas Gasquier, who's currently the creative director of uh, Vuitton, now has sort of like a school of designers working, right? So, like, there's so many designers that work for him that are now creative directors. Um, Nicolas de Felicia Courage mm-hmm. or Julian Dussain at, at Ravan. He sort of, like, raised a lot of designers that started getting creative directorships. And I think that we're going to see a similar thing with Alessandro, mm-hmm. which is something that we, we're going to see at Moschino. He's sort of, like, an interesting fit. I think he's actually a good fit for Moschino. There's, like, the... Italianness of it all, but on top of that, there's sort of like this tinge of irreverency, right? That you sort of want at Moschino. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But above all, you also want humor. And I think that he sort of like seems to 
have all those qualities. I find what is really interesting that we're seeing in the industry right now is that a lot of these hires are career designers, right? They're like people that used to work that brands for years. They're not like superstar designers that mm. you only know them as creative directors. So what's fascinating is that you don't really know their work or their aesthetic until their first collection, right? Like you can argue that like, sure, Sabato the Sarno worked for Pierpaolo at Valentino so that you kind of know what it looks like, but he still worked for, mm -hmm. right? People seem to be happy, so we'll see. All right. Did anyone go see uh, the Eras Tour movie in theaters this weekend? I did not, but I have been seeing a lot of TikToks about it. <laughs> I actually saw it hilarious. Are the people pleased? They seem to be very pleased. I actually saw an insane tweet, or should I say, zit about it. Um, that was like, <laughs> oh gosh, zit. That's like, a new one, right? I'm like, what you do just, we call them? I know, zit. Like, I love but it. But that was like, this is hilarious because um, Killers of the Flower Moon is opening this weekend, right? I know. I want yeah. people to do an era moon. Exactly. <laughs> obsessed. But I saw a tweet that was like, please, if you're going to go watch um, this movie, do not see it at a theater that Where shows they... it next to the Eras Tour because there's videos of people going to the Eras Tour movie that are like yelling and shouting because it's a concert, right? Oh my God. So they're like singing along with the songs. And can you imagine watching like a close up of Leonardo DiCaprio on your screen? And then hearing and on your screen and all karaoke. of a sudden there's exactly, there's a karaoke of like I all mean, too well I can, 10 minute version. But I see your point. Kind of like incredible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're going to have to figure that out. This is a Beyonce's yeah. um, uh, movie for around her tour coming out as well. Yes, allegedly. Yeah. Um, is that getting as much excitement? Yes, I think, it I is. think a lot of people are very thrilled because of the whole joke around the visuals, right? Like she sort of like teased the visuals um, for the album okay. and they never came out. And it's sort of become a running joke through the tour. And in one of her screens, it said, you are the visuals. So she was like teasing us because everyone was asking, like tweeting on social media. Everyone was like, okay, like Beyonce, where are the visuals? And she was like, well, baby, you are the visuals. But now there are the visuals. <laughs> Allegedly. Is this a, a, a new thing to do movies of your concerts? Well, no, really. not a, really. There's a, there's a history. But like so, in theaters? There's a long history yeah, of that. Well, okay. Justin Bieber had... I don't even know what but it's called. But it predates called. that. I, mean, it I predates remember, a lot I, I will people. say, I went to see the Aretha Franklin movie in oh, okay. theaters, and it was like going to church. I mean, yeah. it's the most beautiful, amazing. immersive experience. I'd yeah. yeah. for that. You yeah. remember uh, Michael Jackson, This Is It? Like the concert of his last, okay. the, the movie of his last tour. It's definitely like a thing. Okay. Um, it hasn't happened in a while, I would say. I f well, also like tours are really Yeah, it's been, I think it's been, it's, revived. it's been revived. And it's also having a moment because, let's face it, there aren't any blockbusters out. Exactly. So it has become the, you know. It, it's a, it's and a Beyonce thing. showed up with Taylor. Yes. Yeah, Beyonce went to her premiere. I think that that was really cool. I love that. Yeah, that was very Beyonce cool. is very intentional, as we know. Yeah, so and I, I mean, they're that. the two most famous women in the world. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's crazy, right? Yeah, well, Also at a moment when so many people are not doing red carpet appearances, either because of the strike or now because of the war, which yeah. this weekend the big um, Academy Museum gala was canceled. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I heard about that. So it's it's a tricky tricky time for yeah. navigating red carpet appearances and as ever Beyonce and Taylor threaded that needle with a yeah, plum always yeah. yeah leave it to them honestly honestly I mean there's a reason why they are Beyonce and Taylor Swift right for sure um, but yes we're all very excited about the Renaissance film thank oh, you thank you Jose thank you, oh, thank bye. you. bye. bye. 
The run-through will be back in just a moment. Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru, and you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef-grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand. I recently bought a new pair of running shoes and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. And we're back. And it is a very exciting run-through moment for us because we have a New York icon, the writer, and just general critic of New York City life, (laughs) Fran Leibowitz. She came into the studio wearing uh, a classic Fran uniform, which you'll hear all the details about. And I mean, Chloe, don't you have a, a kind of personal relationship with her? I do. Uh, Fran and my mother have been friends for probably 50 years at this point or known each other for a very long time. What's your first memory of her? I think I sat next to her at a screening for a Nora Ephron movie many years ago with my mom, but I don't remember more about it than that. But yes, Fran has known me since I was a baby. Oh, (laughs) Yes, and the end of the interview, we talked to Fran about her upcoming speaking gig, and she's actually she's actually doing one on Saturday night at the King's Theatre in Brooklyn. And I remember going to see her a, a few years ago at BAM, and she was just hilarious. So I really urge you to get tickets. It's not too late. Marlon James is interviewing her. So yeah. if people are in New York, it's not too late to get your tickets and hear from Fran yourself. All right, here's Fran. Hi, Fran. Welcome to the show. And Thank can you. you start by introducing yourself to our listeners? I am Fran Leibowitz. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Fran, give us, give us a one-line who is Fran for people who may shockingly not know. I, I don't think I'd sum it up in one line. Okay. Okay, I am Fran Leibowitz, who should be the mayor of New York. Uh, mm. Love that. We all support yeah, that. we support that. You Please. can go to Zero Bond Fran every night. Mayor. No, but I would not go to Zero Bond anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Fran, I was reading some essays of yours this week, and I was reading about your daily schedule that you wrote, and it made me think, what did you do today? You know, I think that piece, which is in Metropolitan Life, or now the Friendly was Reader, I wrote that for British Vogue, which had this feature called My Day, which they stole from Eleanor Roosevelt, who you may never have heard of, who, (laughs) who wrote a column in the newspaper when she was the first lady called My Day. And so I, it was in the 70s, in the early 70s, like maybe 74. You should do that, Gemma. 
I'm I'm really Bring loving back my this. Day. Yeah. I love this. Tell us more about it. That's it. Was I mean Eleanor Roosevelt? I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, so you were just supposed to write about your day, and I, you know, I'm certain that it was not that mine, which I don't recall that vividly. I'm sure it was basically fictional. I'm sure, but that's fine. <laughs> what was today? Today was I did. This is a podcast, correct? That's right. All right. So I've never seen one, or mm-hmm. I've done a million. Mm-hmm. So. The, uh, I just did one. Hillary Clinton has a podcast. She does? Yes, cool. I, which I just did. I don't know why Hillary Clinton has a podcast. I mean, she was the first lady. She was a senator, secretary of state. I mean, I, I have nowhere near these accomplishments, and I'm done. But she's apparently still wanting <laughs> to work. So it was there, it was similar to getting into the World Trade Center, but except uh, no Secret Service here. <laughs> so, well, I... I, you know, as a fashion person, I, I love your style. Well, thank you. And I want to know what's in your closet and how many blazers that you have, because you're wearing a very, very chic pinstripe blazer right now. I don't know how many of these I have. This is no, this is the first time I've worn it. Actually, oh, just, really? Yes, it just arrived from London. Uh-huh. Um, these are all made by Anderson Shepard, mm-hmm. uh, which are tailors uh, in London. And I don't remember when I ordered it, probably like four months ago, maybe longer. Right. But it arrived. Um I don't know how many I have. I really don't know. Um, are they all Anderson Shepard? Yes, they are. And how did you decide that you wanted this for people who are listening um, and can't see Fran's beautiful it's really beautiful. new blazer? It's a looks like a cashmere wool, gray, with a white pinstripe. Well, one of the things you do when you uh, have clothes made, uh, which is actually the most pleasurable part for me, mm-hmm. is that you can spend several hours going through swatches which is my favorite yeah. activity. So they sent you their swatch book? No, no, I was in London. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was in London. Do you go expressly for this purpose? No, I don't. I leave my house to make money, period. Otherwise, I'd stay home. <laughs> I mean, I don't make money in Anderson, but I spend it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I w- was in London uh, doing speaking dates. Um, and so I went to Anderson and Shepard. And they have swatch books. And I, there's, my, my father was an upholsterer. Oh, um, interesting. And so I grew up in a sea of swatches. Wow. So it's very natural <laughs> to me. And there you can spend hours. I can't spend hours you know, deciding between, I don't know, this gray, that gray. Like, <clears throat> oh, it's a little dark in here. I'm going to take it outside. I, mean, I always take it outside to see what, you know, what color it actually is, even though once I own it, I'm never in the sunlight. It doesn't make any difference. But, um, and so, yes, it's very enjoyable. Dracula. We we've had, we just had shirts made for the first time yesterday, and That's actually true. it took me ages to to figure out the collar, and I was just checking out your your cufflinks. But I don't have my shirts made. I buy the shirts um, also in London okay. at Hildreth and Keed. Ah. Um, I have them shortened. Oh, uh, interesting. Uh, because they're too long. Okay. There's a smaller size they have, but I don't really want a shirt to fit perfectly. Okay. You know, I think it's. Can you tell me about these cufflinks? Yeah. These cufflinks. Can they not see this? Not immediately. <laughs> no, they can, no. They'll see clips of it. They'll see clips of it. Oh. But no, we that, need to describe. I see. I thought a podcast was kind of like a movie. But apparently it's Some like, are. But not this it's one. It's radio. It's a broad. It's, it's just, radio. Okay. We're back to 40s. I see. These cufflings, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a real die cut in half. Really? Yeah. Okay, so, right. so half is one, half is whatever this is, six. Someone actually asked me if I made them. So this, clearly they didn't know you. Yeah, clearly they don't know really think because clearly these were in the 30s, as you can wow. tell by the setting. I said, can't you tell this? How would you tell that? I said, you know, get out of this line. So, um, <laughs> and they were a gift, as most of my cufflinks are gifts. Not all, but most. But I think yesterday, I'm a little not sure, 
I wore ones that look like bugs. I mean, mm. they're, they're, I should have brought them if I knew we were going to have a cufflinks discussion, which is an excellent subject, by the way. We could go deeper on <laughs> yes, the cufflinks. We can. Um, <laughs> and they're some kind of metal. I don't know what they are. To me, I think they're ants. Some people think they're bees. But these were given to me by a friend of mine with whom I was having dinner. He was sitting across from me. He saw me glance at them for one second. He said, do you like them? I said, yeah, they're great. He took them off and gave them to me. Wow. I love that. That's the best way to get jewelry. Absolutely. Fran, I've been watching the David Beckham documentary, and you're wondering where I'm going to go with this. (laughs) I feel lucky I know who he is. Okay, but I know he's a soccer. Or he was a soccer player. He yes. was a soccer player, right. but he's also I now know extremely fastidious. And what I was amazed by is that uh, he plans his outfits for the week on Sunday night. Really? And I'm wondering. I don't have that kind of spare time. Okay, I mean I'm not. Is he retired from soccer? I assume he's too old That's to play right. soccer. Yes. Um, well, soccer um, at that level, I believe, is quite lucrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has time to do this, but I do not. But you have a very specific uniform. I'm wondering how you. Decide what you're wearing when you get dressed in the morning. I decide what do I feel like wearing. Okay. It's as simple as that. I mean, like, much, what should I wear? I, it, it's not that planned. What would, tell me about your jeans because I read that you iron your cuffs up. That is absolutely a lie. Interesting. <laughs> that is a total falsehood. Oh, like, God, I, first of all, I don't iron. You, well, okay. I was actually going to ask who exactly is doing the ironing. But well, yeah. I mean, my shirts I send out, you yeah. know, and that's the only thing I can iron. I don't iron jeans. Yeah. That, that is really... Libelous. Oh, are you touched <laughs> that fake news is being— <laughs> That is like— um, I don't— And the only reason they have these cuffs is because I used to have them shortened. Okay. Okay? And then, like, the guy that shortened them, like, disappeared off the face of the planet Earth. So I thought, what can I do? Well, I'll just roll it up. Well, we often talk about trends on this show, and we're usually looking at the runway, but you are someone who walks around New York. What trends on the street are you loving? What trends are you hating? You mean clothing trends? Yeah. What do you see on the streets of New York right now? You can go wider if you're inspired. Yeah. (laughs) I mean— You can go wider. You know what? Truthfully, I have not seen anything on any street anywhere where I think that's a good idea. (laughs) Okay? But I also, you know, I'm certain even—I mean, I don't know how old you are, but you're young. You know, but the problem with clothes is that it's a pretty limited, you know, situation, no matter what people say. So— you know, by the time I was, say, 30, um, I had seen platform shoes come back three times. Right. And platform shoes were a bad idea originally, okay? <laughs> and so they keep coming back and back and back. So mostly what I think when I stand in the street, which I do, no one stands in the street more than me because <laughs> you can't smoke inside. <laughs> so I stand in the street all over the world, and mostly I think, I know there's a lot of problems globally, but... Additionally, there is a worldwide mirror famine. (laughs) (laughs) Mirror famine. So I always think whatever you're wearing that you shouldn't be wearing, you chose this. There were other things you could have chosen. Okay? So you chose this. What did you reject in favor of this? You know? (laughs) And did you like some of these things people – it's certainly true that very few Americans anyway have any idea what clothes are. So they look at them like on a hanger. You know, some clothes can look great on a hanger. Yeah. You know, um, it's not the hanger. How do they look on you? You know, <laughs> and maybe I know I know you're not allowed to say this anymore, but there are some people who shouldn't wear certain things because they are, let's say, too old. I know you're not allowed to say that. I'm old, so I feel I could say that. Um, people absolutely look better uh, outside of the United States. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's just no question, especially men, because men generally in other countries at a certain age like eight 
think, you know what, no more shorts. Because I'm now a grown man and I'm going to wear actual... War on shorts. Right, long pants, you know. Or they don't think, why don't I get on a plane wearing flip-flops? Because I'm sure people would love to see my feet. What is the last thing you bought? This jacket? No, I bought another jacket, which is arriving next week. Oh, also Anderson Shepard? Yes. Oh, they are grief. actually arriving. They, the Anderson Shepard guys... I'm sure they would not like to wow. be called guys. Um, twice a year, come to New York. Okay. Um, because it takes like three fittings or something. Oh, for, wow. For these things. Or they could take more. But they have, I saw when I was in London, they have a, I don't know what it's called, a dummy of me. So mostly I don't have to have that third fitting. Well, it's two is still a commitment. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, things change. When was the first time you had a, a suit made with them or a, a jacket made with them? You know, it was quite a while ago, but for years... I tried to get them to do it. So uh, I had, like, some friends who had clothes made there. Right. They were men. So uh, I asked, you know, the, uh, you know say, I'm not going to say his name was, this one guy, can you ask them if they would make me a suit? Right. He goes, no, they don't make clothes for women. So, like, I harangued him. They harangued him for years. Um, and they kept saying, we only ever make clothes for one woman, and that was Marlene Dietrich. Oh, um, gosh, what a fat fact. And I said, look, you know, that I can't make the <laughs> argument that it would be a similar situation. So I like, like, I'm not Marlena Dietrich, you know, but still, she's not here anymore. And so you should have always one woman. And I finally, agree. they went, now they make clothes for one period. But, and this Marlena Dietrich thing, which you thought, I would never thought that I would have any, you know, like actual connection to Marlene Dietrich. But, FIT, which has a museum, mm-hmm. uh, this several years ago, um, had some show of like um, men's clothes for women or something. And they called and asked me, can you lend us some of your clothes for this exhibit? How long is it? Three months. I said, no, I can't. <laughs> they said, why not? I said, it's too long. They, they said, well, you know, we have all these clothes on Marlene Dietrich. I said, well, here's the difference. She won't be needing them because she's dead. <laughs> but I do not have enough clothes to give you my clothes for three months. You know, we need. You six. didn't even give them one. I gave them nothing. Wow! wow. Were they devastated? Oh, no. They survived. <laughs> They're still there. <laughs> well, I was interested to hear that you used to go to shows, but you, you say that they're no longer about the clothes. So you don't go anymore. What is that? What I don't go. Mean? I stopped going to fashion shows a right. long time ago right. because. Well, first of all, I mean— Why would you go to begin with? Yeah. Because I'm interested in clothes. Okay. Okay. So they used to be about clothes. First of all, I don't know when this was, 15 years ago, could be more. Mm. Straight men started going to fashion shows. Right. This out of the question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, sometimes I I used to think, is this a hockey game? (laughs) You know, or a fashion show? (laughs) What are they doing here? (laughs) You know, and the last one I went to like that, a big one like that— a young guy sitting behind me spilled beer on me at 10 o'clock in the morning. No, it's not possible. Yes, and no. I said, that is it. I'm not going anymore. So then I went, I think the last show I went to was probably the last show Carolina Herrera did herself. Okay. You know, that oh, was, wow. and that's probably the last show. And I used to say to people, I can't go. I don't go unless I've known you for 30 years or 40 years. And I'm trying to think. I think Charlotte Ronson did clothes for a while. Yeah, and I remember that. she asked me a show. And I said, you know, Charlotte, I have this rule. I don't go unless I've known someone for 30 years. And she pointed out, you have known me for 30 years because I know when she was a baby. Well, there you go. Okay. So if you ever go into the fashion design business, I'll go to your show. Thank you so much. You're I'll welcome. remember that, Fran. Keep that in mind. Well, speaking of hockey games, you famously hate a lot of things, but particularly sports. Sports, yeah. But you were just photographed on the Jumbotron 
at the New York Liberty game. I'm astonished how many people know this. Do you watch this? this? No, but I've been getting a lot of feedback from friends (laughs) that it's a big New York Liberty moment and that they're due for a Vogue treatment. Well, I mean, you can't believe— And you were an example of why. (laughs) Right. So I don't know when this was, several months ago. I got an invitation from them. You know, would you let—we would like you to come to a game. So I thought— I don't know, basketball game, you know, no. New York Liberty is New York's female right. basketball team, yes. for those who don't know. And who so, did you go with? Well, I wasn't going to go because it was a basketball game. Um, <laughs> but my best friend, Lisa Robbins, is a basketball lunatic. I mean, lunatic. <laughs> she is like, watches basketball 24 hours a day. It's always really? on okay. her house because wow. there are basketball games all over the world. And so she said, no, no, you, we have to go. So I went. And A, it was surprisingly fun. Okay. Yeah. Why? Okay. I have no idea. Okay. And so I went to the basketball game, um, and I discovered a number of things, which is that basketball fans are incredibly superstitious. Mm. So at the intermission, which actually is called halftime, I discovered. The intermission. (laughs) (laughs) The halftime. I wanted to switch seats with Lisa because there was like a light in my eyes. So I got up. The woman sitting on the other side of me who I did not know said, where are you going? I said, I'm just switching. You can't do that because it's bad luck. Really? So— I didn't know. And she was so adamant and kind of actually scary that (laughs) I did not. I stayed in my seat. And then the uh, Liberty won the game. Wow. Imagine if you were the good luck charm. So uh, I've now gone to three games. They won every time. Wow. So now there are a number of these fans who say, you're the good luck charm because we win every time. Fran is the charm. And I say, you know, you know why they win every time? They're a better basketball team. And it would have nothing to do with me being here, not being here, because one thing, I, I may be things I have not discovered yet, but a good luck charm, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> Although you famously are a big proponent of luck being underrated. Well, I'm not saying it's underrated. I say it's not, it's not paid attention to. In other words, I mean, that's a very especially American thing. You know, there's no idea in the United States that, that luck is the major determinant of your life. Yeah, I okay. read a book called Luck and Success, and it, it was amazing. Luck. Guess what? You know, I mean, there's an American idea that you can do anything you want if you work very hard, and that is absolutely not true. Mm. Well, it Fran, is, I feel like you were ahead of the curve because now we call it privilege. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, you doesn't even have to be that great a privilege. But, you know, if you are born into poverty and your mother is 13, you need a lot more than hard work to get out of that. Mm. Absolutely. You know? What do you think it is about American culture that has this idea? Because I'm quite confused by it, too. Because there is the idea there's no class system here. Right. There's the idea that everyone has the same chance. And I just think it's silly. I mean— I would never be where I am today without the circumstances of my birth. I mean, all of the introductions I first got were because I went to good schools, because of, you know, friends of friends' parents and things like that. It's just, you know, I've worked hard, but it's just about you can't deny those things. And people just don't want to acknowledge them. No, they don't. And it, But it's it's always been true. It's not something new. No. You know, yeah. it's something Nothing that, by new. the way, that I was unaware of when I came to New York. And it's a lucky really? thing. Completely unaware of. When Tell I, us about young Fran coming to yeah, New York. No, I, I, wanna, like I, I, I went to my parents' bedroom. I said, I'm moving to New York. I'm going to New York. I'm going to be a writer. My mother said, but we don't know anyone in New York. And I thought she meant I wouldn't make friends. I have no friends. So I said, I'll make friends. But I, my mother, by the way, was not the most sophisticated person on planet Earth. But she knew you have to know someone. Mm. But I, I didn't know that at all. And I knew, when I say I knew no one, no one. I knew zero people in New York. Um, so 
that ignorance was helpful to me because if I had really had a sense of it, I might have thought, you know what, this is out of the question. So this this Nepo baby thing has always been true. Of course. You know, doormen in New York, they're all related <laughs> to each other. You can't, like, all the doormen are related to each other. You know, when I first came to New York, all the doormen were Irish. Yeah. You know, then they all became Greek. Yeah. You know, then they all, and it's because they not only know each other, they're cousins. Okay? <laughs> you have to know yeah. someone. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession. Beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411. And sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand. Always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, can you set the scene of 19-year-old Fran showing up from Morristown, New Jersey in New York City, the great, the great big New York City? You know, when I first moved here, my, uh, my New York was very dangerous then. I mean, crime rate was like— What year are we talking? You know, I, you know, I you don't, don't remember exactly. I, yeah, I, I don't mind. <laughs> if I, I don't, I, you know, I would say, like, say 1970, something like that. You know, in the 1970s, New York was incredibly dangerous, incredibly dangerous. And so now when people say, oh, New York's more dangerous now than it was, you know, a year ago, yeah, a little bit, you know. <laughs> but, the, but the upside was that that's, you know, the New York I came to. So New York was dangerous. It was dirty. Um, it was going bankrupt, you know. And you're always seeing the paper, New York's going bankrupt. So for me, I had zero money. So New York's gone bankrupt. Who cares? <laughs> I am arriving. Here's a new bankrupt person for you. <laughs> you know, like, I have no money. I'm already arriving with no money. So New York's dangerous. That's how I found it. I still have all the habits of someone who lived in New York in the 70s. So that my, Like what? Like my present apartment when I moved into it. Where is, is your apartment? It's in Chelsea. Okay. okay? Mm. So, and it's in a building with like a thousand doormen, et cetera. Okay. And I, it's, it's an apartment that I absolutely cannot afford. When I moved in... I put three locks on my door of my apartment. And, like, I don't know, the contractor goes, what do you need this for? You have all those guys downstairs. You have there's guys upstairs. I said, you know what? Put the three locks on the door, <laughs> which I lock every time I leave. Oh, wow. The apartment. And when I say, I mean, I lock when I leave to take the trash down the hall. No. no. Yes, I do, because you know what? I can't see that door. Someone could easily slip in. And you know what? I feel better locking it. So New York was very dangerous, but also it was super fun. Okay. All right? And, like, really fun to the extent that if I'm in the street, I cannot be in the street for more than 30 minutes tops without someone 22 years old coming up to me and saying, I wish I lived in New York in the 70s. It now was, that happens? Oh, it happens dozens of times a week. Wow. Oh, okay? good God. Okay. And I was, and they, they tell you how old they are. I'm 23. Um, and this has happened so much and for so long that when it started happening, I thought, was New York more fun in the 70s? You know, uh, I mean, I don't know. So I do know that when I was in my 20s, I didn't stop old people in the street and say, I wish I lived in New York in the 30s. You know, I mean, so the thing, so New York in the 70s has now worldwide achieved this kind of permanent glamour, like, you know, Paris in the 20s or something. Mm. It is definitely more fun, you know, to be in your 20s and the 70s than in your 70s and the 20s, which is what I am now. Oh, that's true. So, um, so it was really fun. And, 
I developed a lot of habits so that things don't happen to me. I'm alert. Whenever they say, be aware of your surroundings, I think, are you kidding? There's no one more aware of the surroundings than me. I'm very aware. I, I really enjoyed watching the doc that you made with Martin Scorsese um, during the pandemic. And I was just thinking, how has your relationship to New York changed since then? Is it, does it feel completely back to normal? Or? When it first happened, COVID, I had absolutely no idea how to think about it. Right. Because I had never once in my life thought, what if there's a plague? Now, it turned out many people had thought that. Because, I'm surprised that didn't, you didn't think because of Because it turned out many people read science fiction. I knew how to feel about it, you know. And I, I wouldn't say alone, but a small minority among my fellow Americans, know the difference between thinking and feeling. So <laughs> everyone felt the same way about it, I assume. Every, every sane person, or like every person who's not like the governor of Florida. And I remember that my editor called me, and he was also Toni Morrison's editor. And I said, don't you miss Toni more than ever? Mm-hmm. I said, because she would know how to think about this. So I would be able to say, Tony, how should we think about this? But she was not living anymore. So it took me like, now I know how to think about it. And I wish I didn't. Um, it wasn't, I mean, the worst thing about COVID for me, I know the worst thing about COVID was people died. I know that. Mm-hmm. And then the second worst, people got sick. Some people are still sick from having gotten COVID mm-hmm. three years ago. That is terrible. None of these things happened to me. But what did happen to me is they closed the bookstores. Mm. and the restaurants. So, like, the two most important things in New York, restaurants and bookstores. The restaurants, because there is, without question, no worse food in New York than my apartment, is at, <laughs> without question the worst. What are you cooking, Fran? Nothing. So I hate to cook. I hate to even, like, slice a tomato. I find being in the kitchen so tedious. You know, I think, why am I doing this? You know, this is unbearable. <clears throat> so that was horrible, the no food. Um and the bookstore is being closed. Also horrible. Because what's your bookstore? Um, I don't have one. Okay. You know, I am have to say, anyone who has a bookstore, I'm grateful. Okay. Mm. Okay. Anyone who has a bookstore anywhere in the world, thank you. Okay. But I went out every day. I went out every day. I walked around, basically to make sure that the real estate interest didn't take this opportunity to tear down the New York Public Library. You know, like, well, no one's looking. Let's tear it down. We can book condos here. You know, so I'd walk around, like, make sure, okay, the library's still there. That's yeah. good. I want to know about your, your beauty secrets, Fran. Fran, tell us, tell us your beauty routine. I take a shower. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what products are in the hair? You know, I stay in a lot of hotels. I can't remember the name of the shampoo I actually buy. It's French. But... I stay in a lot of hotels, and they have shampoo, little bottles of shampoo. And I always, if I like it in the hotel, I take it. I mean, you do have quite a beauty signature, I would say, much like another woman that Chum and I know, (laughs) a a signature bob and glasses. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people mix me up with that. We're like astral twins. Have you always had this haircut? No. When I was young, I had very long hair. When I was 21, I went to get my haircut. It was a place called San Andre. It was on 57th Street. It was like, it was a very happening place. Okay. And it was very fun, actually, to go there. It was very expensive. Okay. But I didn't pay. I have never (laughs) paid for a hair thing in my life. What? How did you do it? I'm a gay icon. <laughs> okay. Because otherwise, I could never afford I could never. I mean, when I find out. Like, Where do you get your haircut now? Uh, Jimmy Paul cuts my hair. Okay. Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, and like people say, like, 
why do you go? How do you go there? It's so expensive. I say, I don't say, is it very expensive? When they tell me, I think, who could pay for this? Um, anyway, Andre from San Andre, who is no longer alive, okay. um, picked my hair up to get a little trim and cut it to this length. Oh, my God. I, like, I couldn't believe it. Someone told oh him to do that. Like, that this girl I knew told him to do it. I could not believe. I like. I thought that's that, an assault. It, yeah. I thought this must be a crime. Yeah, you know. And then I just I liked it after like a week, and I just left it that way. So now ah. my hair's been this length. So there was no discussion. No, he just he did it deliberately because this girl said, you know, her hair's too long. Just cut it to like you, know, and that's what he did. Wow. Yeah. Okay, unbeknownst to me, she was having an affair with this guy. So he just did whatever he, you know. Oh, uh, good grief. Who is this woman? Uh, I wouldn't say. <laughs> I wouldn't say. So I've had my hair like that length ever since. <laughs> I mean, the world's so, so hard right now. Is there anything that makes you optimistic? No. The only thing that makes me optimistic <laughs> is I'm old. Okay, so like, is it, like sometimes I hear things or read things that are so dire mm. that I like for a second, I'm like, very upset that I was say you'll be dead. I don't believe you. I don't believe there's nothing that brings you delight and joy and that you feel there are many things that bring hopeful you joy. about. She asked about the future, okay? She said optimistic. There are things in my personal life that I find very pleasurable. Okay, let's there set are, a scene. What's a dream weekend for Fran? I would never I do not speak about my soul in this way. What's the last time what's the last thing that made you giggle? I don't know. I can't think. Not that big a giggler, I have to say. I, I would imagine. That's why I thought I'd throw it out there. <laughs> there are people I find funny. I mean, like a sense of humor is an essential thing in front. Yep. Okay? Mm-hmm. And by a sense of humor, I don't mean they have to be funny. They have to know things can be funny. Mm-hmm. So people who don't have a sense of humor are not only incredibly dull, they're dangerous. Okay? People who have no sense of humor are dangerous people because they have no sense that things can be funny. And that almost everything will be funny eventually. Not everything, but almost everything. You know, so that even babies, you did not do this, but some people actually show me their babies because I'm known to be able to tell how smart, I wouldn't dare. How smart the baby will be. And I can tell oh, this. I'm scared of the answer. <laughs> I can tell this by, you can make a baby laugh, you know, but a baby that won't laugh, forget it. <laughs> Trade this baby in. <laughs> For another baby. Shipping up. Get a better baby. There's there's lots of extra babies. <laughs> Trade it in. Get a better baby. Well, Fran, uh, we're excited about your King's Theater. I'm certain you'll be there engagement. and your little babies, too. Oh, yeah. They're, they're actually going to be on stage. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> I've never been to this place. They showed me a picture of it. That it you know, that's all I know about it. It's also Marlon James is interviewing me. Oh, fun. Oh, I love. That's great. Right. Do you know him? I don't. I've never met him. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. You know. But you don't read sci-fi. But he doesn't only write science fiction. Okay. Right. Oh, he's he's really good. Yeah, people say I loved his the uh, the profile Gia Tolentino did on him I've um, in The New Yorker, and I just always think about she was waiting for him like at a Barnes and Noble to meet, and she was reading Custom of the Country, and he just came up over her shoulder and says, "Ah, Undine Sprague." Yeah. And okay. just I love that. <laughs> All right. So. I rest my case. He's not just a science fiction writer. I mean— well, you, you can read Eve Wharton and still write science fiction. But it's unlikely. Okay. Okay? <laughs> it's also—I don't, I don't know how old he is. You know, it, I, do you have any idea how old he is? No. Okay. I would say he's probably early 40s. Yeah. But right. we can also— oh, okay. we can The let, number we can of people in their early 40s who read Eve Wharton is very small. Yeah. And it should be very— I don't think that's true. Well, I wish you were right, but I am telling you that it is true. 
Okay. He is 52. Oh. There you go. Like to you, there's a difference between 52 and 42. To me, there's not. (laughs) Do you prep beforehand? Not at all. So like when you're going to do one of these talks, which you do very often, you're not doing any prep ahead of time? No. Is there a subject line? Nothing. I drink coffee. I didn't realize that. I do zero. I do zero. I don't let the interviewer. Well, maybe you shouldn't be drinking coffee so late. Yes, but otherwise, I really feel that when people pay to see you, you should be awake. So, you know, I I feel I owe that to the audience that I am awake. The person interviewing me, uh, you know, they usually do want to talk to you because they want to prepare. I can't remember who interviewed you at BAM, but it was really, I I was going to ask you. I thought you prepped. I thought you knew the questions. Zero. I do zero. And I also don't, you know, ask for the questions from the audience in advance. You know, the whole fun of it for me, which I really enjoy doing this. Okay. I mean, this is something that actually makes me very delighted to do. Oh, there we go. Makes I, you giggle. Yes. I find it incredibly fun. Um, but the fun part is a surprise. Okay. So I don't want to know. you know. And the people who interview you usually, yeah, they want to be prepared. Mm. You know, just ask me anything. But what if I ask you something you don't want to answer? I want to answer it. That's the upside of being 72. Yeah. When I was young, I thought every question you have to answer. Now I just go, no, next question. It was so, it was so lovely to have you in the studio with us. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Yeah. One last thing before we go. We are taping a special episode on packing with our colleagues at Condé Nast Traveler. So if you have any questions about packing strategy or are just looking for general travel advice or tips, please send your questions to womenwhotravel at cntraveler.com. That's womenwhotravel at C-N-T-R-A-V-E-L-E-R dot com. The Run Through Evoke is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. The show is produced by Susie Lechtenberg, Chelsea Daniel, and Alex John Burns. It's engineered by Jake Loomis and Gabe Kiroga and mixed by Mike Kutchman. See you soon. Bye. I'm Celeste, and I'm here with Jade and Emily, and we are so excited to announce our new show, After Hours. We're three female founders who became friends through, well, trauma bonding over entrepreneurship. These days, we come together after work to discuss the highs, lows, and hilarious moments we all experience as we build our companies in our 20s as first-time founders. We're dishing advice, spilling secrets we wish we knew so you don't have to make the same mistakes we did, oversharing in the best ways, giving our legal teams anxiety, and peeling back the curtains behind startup life. So close your computers, we know it's hard, and pour yourself a glass of something, because After Hours is now in session. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com.